Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, since we last spoke, a new but familiar team was crowned NBA champion. The Golden State Warriors defeated the Boston Celtics in six games, as I predicted, <clears throat> winning their fourth <laughs> uh, championship since 2015. Steph Curry, of course, was named NBA Finals MVP for the first time. Curry yes. now has four rings and one Finals MVP, moving into a tie with Andre Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> this was a it was a crowning achievement for Curry. Uh, <laughs> although uh, Curry haters and critics will say that he had the easiest road ever to a championship. He got bailed out after a poor performance in Game 5. And if David Kahn had just drafted him in 2009, then <laughs> his career would have wallowed in obscurity. <laughs> so, oh, you, you, you can't ever fully appease the critics. Uh. D-Love, this is, like, this is like when you get uh, – when the, when, the, um, when the NBA stars get their rest days. You, you got your – they got an extra week off. And you're just like fully primed. You, we got a week off last week. Got two weeks of material. You're just this is you're hitting it hard right now. I love it. It's good to be back. You sure I didn't write this 20 minutes before we went? <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I actually did see. This is a little aside here, but Curry uh, posted. He was holding. I don't know if he was holding the MVP trophy and then maybe the Magic Johnson. Yes, I think he was. And the, the title. And yes. It was like, what are they going to say now? And I actually looked through, <laughs> and someone was like, well, you had an easy road in 2015. <laughs> you blew it in 2016. Then Durant was the responsible <laughs> for it. And it was just, I was like, wow. People are like, <laughs> some critics just, they Can't always let go. Can't <laughs> let go. It's just ridiculous. But critics aside, Curry did get a, did get a big assist from Andrew Wiggins, who carried the load in the critical game five uh, when, when, when Curry did have his worst game, went 0 of 9 from three-point land. Uh, Wiggins now forever will be embraced as a worthy member of any big three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> D-Love doesn't like Wiggins. He loves Wiggins. Now. Can we retroactively call Cat, Butler, and Wiggins a big three? I think we can. Retro history, yes. Oh, what could so have been? The, <laughs> The Warriors are hoping to run it back again next year as it's been reported that all their free agents want to come back, uh, which now includes assistant coach Kenny Atkinson. Um, <laughs> although we've also found out, though, that Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman are demanding trades. <laughs> so the Warriors are willing. They're willing to trade Wiseman, Kaminga, and Atkinson to Charlotte for LaMelo Ball. Uh, <laughs> make up, make up for right or wrong. <laughs> but also, uh, Kerr has been trying to stick it to Jordan ever since he beat him up, beat him up in practice. Years ago. I don't know. This Atkinson drama—I don't know if there's, you know, stuff going on behind the scenes there. It's a, fa it's a family thing. It's 
the latest <laughs> is. It's like, oh, man. Uh, jokes aside, the Warriors are reveling in their championship glory, having their parties, their parade today, and oddly engaging in a Twitter war with the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> and John Moran. <laughs> Isn't that kind of beneath the championship team to engage in a Twitter war after after you won it? I mean, I don't think Draymond ever got the memo on they go low, we go high. I don't know if yeah. you ever heard Michelle Obama. <laughs> no, no I don't think he did. Uh, it was a, a bitter defeat, a bitter defeat pill for the Celtics to swallow, and for Boston sports fans who are disappointed that they didn't win their 13th championship over the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I did Google that. That it had been 12 championships since 2001. Uh, but the Celtics are young and talented enough to be a contender again. Celtics GM Brad Stevens will try to get this team over the hump next year and will tackle the Celtics' main nemesis, dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wasn't a good sign with Van Gundy. Yeah, throughout the series, just kept repeating over and over again. You just have to make them dribble to the left. Like they can't. Like why are they letting them dribble to the right? And I don't know if like someone on the Warriors staff was recording the audio, and it was it was like, hey, uh, hey, Steve, uh, uh, JVG has this idea. We should push uh, Tatum and Brown to the left. It's like, oh, oh, push him to the left. Let's do that. <laughs> Just sounds too good. Yeah. Can't, can't really be that. No, can't be that easy. <laughs> well, but um, even though, you know, many thought that the Celtics had the, the team to beat Golden State, still credit to them for a remarkable turnaround after starting out 18-21, and 21, then beating Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the Heat to get to the finals. That's about all I got, guys. Turning it over to you for some post-finals analysis. <laughs> well done. Well, I'm I'm just curious what you guys think. Where does this Warriors team rank in the pantheon of champions? I mean, I think that's a fascinating thing to me because this this does feel obviously they really did, you know, call it championship moxie, call it, you know, whatever you want. They they did kind of figure something out uh in games, you know, 4, 5 and 6 and and particularly in 5 and 6 where it just, you know, early on it seemed like it was two pretty square teams and, and the Warriors really turned a corner in terms of how to defend the Celtics. I mean, they didn't, I think they scored 90 points in game six. Um, and similarly, I want to say again, that, that Monday they scored 94. So it's just, you know, they, they, the defense really cranked it up for the Warriors, which, which provided them that opportunity to really, you know, take down those last two games. But, you know, you get you have the box that Middleton gets hurt. You know, that's a different conversation. I think if if that doesn't happen, you know, the sun's sort of melting down, and that then your finals two, pick is exactly right, Michael. Is that what you're saying? I would have been right. Let's just be clear. But it's it just seems funny. Like you know, the Warriors are by no means a juggernaut, right? I mean, that it's it's Curry and a bunch of like, you know, guys who are trying to figure out their roles, and they obviously figured it out in the Celtics matchup. But I I, I find it it. I'm less maybe interested in the historical elements, but I, I was so curious coming out of this finals looking forward. What does, you know, what does next season look like? Are the Warriors and the Celtics as the sort of defending conference finalists sort of, are those the juggernauts that we expect them to be? Or, or is it more like we're entering another season of parody the way we have? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I think there is probably, you know, almost a dozen 
teams that could at least talk themselves into being contenders, which makes it a pretty fascinating situation, you know, as you kind of look at the way this finals kind of ran out. It was a very enjoyable finals, particularly the fact that there wasn't any close games. I mean, they were all they were all decided by double digits, uh, but I think largely it was a fun uh, it was a fun finals, I and mean, each game had its own story storyline. They had swings back and forth, but you know, again, I don't, I walk away not thinking either of these teams are juggernauts, and I'm not even sure either of them are favorites to win their own conferences next year. I mean, do you guys, where do you guys kind of level both the Celtics and the Warriors, both going into next year and now in retrospect for this season? Well, if the Lakers get Kyrie, then um, <laughs> <laughs> all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess just historically, the star, I, you know, you're focused on next year. I, I think they kind of remind me of um, those Kobe Laker teams a bit where it was like they had the transcendent superstar and then they kind of shuffled the deck to get kind of kind of him, um, you know, what he needed. Um, and, you know, I, I think – Kobe probably had more just with Gasol being at the peak of his powers at that point. Um, and so I, I just feel like we talked about it a lot the whole year, but especially the last couple of months during the playoffs is Steph is just, you know, he's incredible. And so I, I do think, I think he can have a, he can have the basketball version of a Brady career where he stays at this, at this, like at a high level. Um, it has a late peak that goes on for a while. Um, and so I think as long as he's at, high level like you can kind of if you get defensive players around him like you're gonna have a really good team i mean it's like automatic so um but i i agree i mean josiah any already you know was trying to convince me that you know the warriors title was lucky because they avoided the clippers and quiet didn't come back so he's already got the clippers winning it next year wait was he could... on the twitter feed for curry that was <laughs> that's true he was jumping in he's not on twitter yet he is on tiktok so i don't know uh, <laughs> but uh yeah uh twitter's uh he doesn't care about facebook but twitter's <laughs> not there yet um so so yeah i i agree i think it was a cool year because it was there's parody and because you know like the in january I mean, Golden State played great early, and they had the injuries, and it didn't. It kind of, you know, they hit hit a wall there. Middle part of the season, I don't think anyone would have predicted they would have been in the finals or the Celtics would have been in the finals. So I'm hopeful next year similar. But I just, you know, if Curry's healthy, he's you can't stop him. Like he stopped. He didn't hit. He went 0 for nine in game. Game five, like you said, D. So he struggled there. But other than that, like his game four performance was just absurd to do that in in Boston when you know Boston smelled a three one lead and he just ended it. So um yeah, as long as he is at that at that level, I think they're right to everybody. But yeah, they they'd be first among equals, not um not a clear I- champion but i would maybe want to uh, take a stab at michael's question to say that i think over well since the lakers in the bubble like the last few years it feels like there has been more of a feeling of 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 parody and it's coming off i would say a historical trend where we've actually had mostly powerhouse teams win championships like even 80s celtics lakers 
Pistons back to back, you know, Rockets back to back, Bulls, Lakers, Lakers, you know, and some exceptions, some teams like the the Pistons and then Celtics win in 2008. But it, it feels like we got Spurs winning five titles. So like there's kind of this trend of um, teams that depending on how you define a dynasty, but at least like powerhouse teams. Um, but this year feels like almost similar to last year. And the bubble was just sort of a unique experience. Um, but, but I do feel like the answer is yes, that this is, this is sort of a, a deviation from the norm that we've expected with the, the kind of trends we've seen historically, or at least since the eighties. Well, I think that's, that's the part that to me is so fun. I mean, it, it's funny. It's like there is a lot of, of you know, Josiahini's out there who are criticizing the Warriors as sort of, you know, not not the, the preeminent favorites that maybe the, 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 the original era Warriors had been or you go back, you know, whatever era of the NBA. It's always been, you know, powerhouses and super teams largely right i mean you have or the early aughts you have those late the Shaq kobe laker teams right it's like the only champions that don't get discounted in some ways is either the super teams win or someone knocks off the super team but it's like if there's if, if there's if neither of those things happen i mean every team kind of gets discounted i mean the lakers in the bubble you know i mean even last year the you know the bucks you know i think haven't been quite as discounted because of what um what Giannis was able to do throughout those playoffs. But I mean, the Suns were discounted the entire time. I mean, they, they, all the, all the things broke. The and right it took way, two so years, but we were right. To get- <laughs> <laughs> Vindicated. Um, so it's just, I, I just think it's like a fun, it's, it actually creates a really fun environment. I mean, as you look forward to, and again, not, not necessarily even to next season, but you look to the draft, you look to free agency, you look to all these different moves that they can make. You know, it's the door is wide open, right? And you have the Clippers obviously coming. The Nuggets, to a certain degree, are coming along with the, some of the teams that were really good again this year. Um, and that's just in the Western Conference. I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference, and and you know there there's so much depth there that you know Boston has the 17 million dollar trade exception. It's like, what are they going to do with that? Because they do they they have some deficiencies, right? The ball handling, the kind of the backup wings. Um, that, that limits some of their effectiveness, especially when you get into the playoffs. I mean, never more um, than in this finals that there seemed to be 16-game players and 82-game players in a lot of ways, right? It's like you saw guys become unplayable. I mean, in games five and six, Boston basically had five guys they could play. They felt good about. I mean, which is just so wild when, you know, Golden State, you know, ultimately had, you know, eight guys that, that they felt really good about rolling out, right? It's just that level of depth particularly with Boston having played multiple seven game series before the finals, you know, it just seems like they ran into a brick wall. I mean, let alone getting, getting kind of solved, but um, you know, that they felt like that, that level of, of variability is something that's just going to continue to be really interesting as we go forward. And, and if we can avoid the culmination of any of these super teams, we're going to keep having kind of these really fun narratives coming out every year. Well, and I, I just we, want to Oh, sorry. One more, just a historical point I would like to make, or my opinion on this is that no title should ever be discounted, even the bubble, even when like teams have won, when there's been um, like the lockout, you know, Spurs or or Dallas 2011, uh, because there are 30 or 32 teams that are all desperately wanting to get that title. That was why I thought it was a little, it was dishonest when Patrick Beverly 
was trying to be dismissive of the Lakers. And I know it's a rivalry, so you want to do that. But, like, if you would have won that title, the Clippers, which it was there for the taking. <laughs> he'd be wearing a belt. He'd have a, he'd have a belt emblazoned with champion, and he'd wear it before every game. <laughs> and after, he put it on after every victory. Exactly. I mean, 32 teams will be in a couple of years, though, in Vegas and Seattle join the league so but 30 yeah 30 excuse me, excuse me. thank you for yeah, the, thank the you, fact thank check there no, but, <laughs> but that it, was the final it, point I'll, I yeah did no. right. yeah i guess the one yeah the one clarification i would make is the reason golden state could play seven or eight people and boston couldn't is because they had curry i mean he, he allows them to play as we talked about a lot we all know that but he he, he allows them to play Draymond. he allows them to play looney he allows them to play gp2 um you know, he allows him to play clay in some ways um, just because he really relies on him to get him the ball and get him open as he's kind of recovering from his injury. So pretty, I mean, a lot of those guys rely on him, and that was the difference in the series was that – and you guys called it when you picked the Warriors. I think you both emphasized, like, they have the best player. Like, Steph's transcendent, and he's going to be able to do it. And Tatum wasn't able to do it to the same level. He's only just turned 24, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's – I think that um, – Again, it's no like great insight, but it does just seem like, you know, if you don't, if if you go up against someone like Curry, who single handedly can have an amazing offense, then it's just again, as you guys call that, it's really hard to beat that team unless you have someone like that too. Because if you flip Curry and Tatum, like you know Williams and Derek White and even Pritchard probably all become very playable. <laughs> Because it's just like play, play defense and hit wide open threes and like we're not going to make you do anything you're not comfortable doing. Um, um, and I, it, you know, it, it was it was great. I mean, it's great. It's great that he did it, and it's great that um, you know also that they you know he ran a lot of pick and roll a lot more. And I think Marcus Thompson pointed out he's the you know, athletic Bay Area columnist and. You know, he's written the books on Curry and Durant. He he pointed out post championship that basically, you know, when when Robert Williams was in, they were running kind of more of their motion stuff. But the moment like he went out and it was like Horford or or um, the other post guys, then they immediately just ran pick and roll every time with Steph. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he can he can run a pick and roll offense and have a top three, top one offense, and then have all these guys who play D. And I think that's something that the light year pod guys have been saying all year is just that if you really just put a really good defense around Curry, like you're going to have a championship contender. And that's so true. I mean, that, that's that's what's to me fascinating is how long can Curry be that guy, right? Not just – how long can Curry sustain being a plus offensive basketball player or how long can Curry be a contributing NBA player or, or whatever, right? I mean, I think we all recognize that he can, is going to have this kind of extended post-prime because of his skill set. But what I'm curious about is, like, how long can he be at this echelon, right? Where, you know, clearly the Warriors have a willingness to spend, so they might not have to make some of these decisions, but – you know, as they continue to move forward, they're going to continue to emphasize defense, this, this sort of prototype of player. I think that they kind of found, even with a guy like Otto Porter, a guy who could really shoot it, you know, high percentage shooter historically in his career, defends, you know, well enough, even though he's kind of getting long on the tooth. Um, 
you know, but again, it's sort of that's the role he fit much better than the Kelly Oubre's of the world that kind of right. did really mesh last year. Right. You, know, you get GP2 in. I mean, that guy was on the scrap heap, you know, for any team in the league to go snag. And instead, he just thrived under sort of the capabilities of Curry. I mean, he's like the perfect candidate to go get overpaid. I think he's, I think he's going to be restricted, but like he could go get overpaid and all of a sudden be like a terrible contract because he's not playing with Steph Curry anymore. Right. I mean, not unlike Draymond. That's why it works, you know, right. but I wonder like how, you know, that, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, the weird thing about golden state is like much of the season, they were like a top five defense and like the 12th best offense. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, but the thing we know about Curry is he translates in the playoffs, whereas some of the other sort of, you know, kind of games that some of these other teams play on offense doesn't necessarily translate into the playoffs. And so what I'm curious, I don't, and again, I don't, I don't think anyone knows this, but it's like how long does Curry's skill set at this level where he, you know, he's 34 years old. I mean, he, he, he had an, an absolute dominant finals. When you look at, I think he was like 32, five and five, you know, for, for an NBA finals, a six game finals where he was, you know, literally being, you know, the sole focus of the defensive scheme of the team of the team defending him. And so if he can keep that up for a number of more years, I mean, Golden's, you have to assume Golden State is a bit of the preeminent favorite continuing forward. I mean, they have reinforcements coming. You, you would expect the young guys to take steps forward, and they're not really losing anything either. I mean, Kevon Looney might look like he's 36, but he's actually 26, believe it or not. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, you're just like, you know. Yeah, he had a, gro- he had a gross spurt. His hips got messed up. I mean, come on. Exactly. He's got, he's like, exactly. I'm not I mean, sure the whole story there. Even Draymond. I mean, Draymond's games five and six. I mean, he has some deficiencies. You might wonder if he's going to sort of pivot some of his strategies here because focus a little bit more on some of his deficiencies. But, you know, he, he really turned it on in five and six. I mean, Clay for all of his comeback stuff, he obviously shot the ball not as well as he would have hoped, but he also, he had some spurts and also defended like no, Jalen Brown pretty well no, he at, did. at he moments, did. particularly in fourth quarters. Right. So it's, you just yeah. wonder if these guys can maintain even some semblance of their fastball and, and, and really extend it. Wiggins seems like he's probably going to get another deal. And all of a sudden you're like, you're having a much different conversation of what the golden state warriors look like in the next three to five years than, than, uh, you know, where you thought they would be. But again, it all goes back to Curry, right? If Curry takes a, even like an 8% step back, this whole conversation changes and, and it's again, more and more open. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think what happens to the playoffs is to a certain degree is Curry lets Curry cook. Cause he has to, cause that's the way they can score is like in the playoffs. Like they can't, it's like, you know, like Billy Bean said, his his stuff doesn't work in the playoffs. Like Kerr's offense starts to work a lot less the playoffs too. So he runs it. So <laughs> I I watch that series. I'm just like I don't understand. Like they're like, oh, we gotta save Steph. Like he can't care. Like the argument they've made in the past is, oh, he can't run the dominant pick and roll game just because he can't. Like it just takes too much of a toll on him. You know what takes a toll on him is like running Bring off the ball actions, like for miles on miles on miles. <laughs> to like play the beautiful game like let him harden it up a little bit and just like not not like not move at all but just kind of let him cut off the ball a little bit and spot up occasionally <laughs> not that he would he would do that he's like hondo havlicek on the on the backside cutting and screening and doing all this stuff but i i, I that's a good point though sprinting between the sides of the court is yeah gonna, uh you know take more energy than- yeah just let him run a pick and roll and then sit down for the side a little bit i mean i think that buys him a couple more years at least but <laughs> but I, I i i just think he's incredibly motivated um again we talked about i mean i went 
kind of long on the Brady comparison, but I, I think he's very motivated. He knows what he needs to do with his body. Um, and I think his peak will continue longer than maybe we expected a year or two ago. I, I also don't buy into the, oh, his, it wasn't his greatest year this year. It's total, like, he carried a, that team does not have good offensive players on it. Like, we saw in the finals. That was the whole year. It's just like, he was carrying these guys, like, on his back the entire year. Um, but because, With the exception of Wiggins. <laughs> I know, big two. It was a big two. <laughs> so, I, I just, I, I feel like he's very motivated. And just hearing some of the historical comparisons now where he's getting, like, the love of, like, a top ten player. Um, but then it's like. I think it was Bill Simmons was comparing it to Kobe and he was reading off like the, you know, Kobe had 11 first team all NBAs and this, and you know, Steph has like five or something. Um, you know, I think Curry's motivated to keep his peak going as long as possible to like fully, like he has that motivation just like Steve Kerr wants to stick around long enough to win a championship without Draymond. I think that's what motivated him to, that's what's motivating him to stick around with the young guys is like, that would be his favorite uh, parade yet. Um, um, but I, yeah, I just can't believe, I mean, I, I, I think the, like we've been, I've been making fun of Lacob and those guys for, you know, the whole time on the podcast in terms of like their decision-making and, their self-regard and their, um, you know, just, yeah, they're just kind of, oh, we know what we're doing. We're light years ahead of everyone. And they were right in the end. They did it. They pulled it off. You know, I thought they should play Kaminga because they need him in the finals. Nope, they had Steph Curry. It was fine. Like, Wiggins <laughs> did well. Clay, like, to your point, Michael played really good defense. Um, and, you know, I was obviously wrong on that one, thinking they should pull him up a little bit and play pool more often. And he really stepped up and heart of a champion, etc. cetera. I, I do think, but they also proved their point of not playing Wiseman because like to your point about Otto Porter, Michael, like they only want guys who are like super smart and all, like smart. Like it's funny. Like the, the Warriors player is a very smart player who like doesn't make mistakes. Like Draymond and Steph, they don't want people to make mistakes. And I think that's, with all the Wiseman stuff, joking with Kerr, it was like, I do think some, we talked about the time, some of that came from the players. And I think that's why they like Otto Porter because he's always moving. He's always doing the right thing. Even if he's not athletically gifted on defense, you know, Peyton, um, Looney, um, all those guys. And I think that's what it's underrated part of why Clay played good defense. The last half of the series is again, we joked, I joked about with, Van Gundy, but I think they figured out how they want to defend those guys, and he just applied it really well. And so, if you if you know, like, if you can, like, you're a smart player, and you can make, even if you're athletically as gifted as the other guy, if you can make him do what he doesn't want to do, and you're smart about what you're doing, like, you can have great success. And I think that's what they did, and I think it's to their their credit and their ability to play defense and do that. I mean, it's a they had three lottery picks; they got nothing from them. And they they won the championship. They didn't trade anyone like during the season. They have they have the three young guys. They have Pool, you know. They have Steph. They have again like the role players all want to come back. You know, Iguodala will. I mean, even Iguodala like he was there and it was kind of funny. But he like you know obviously had a big impact on everyone in terms of his 
like the culture, like all the stuff they've done, like it all worked. And it's just, it's, I mean, the one saving grace is it was because of Steph, but still it worked. So Iguodala morphed into the uh, Udonis Haslam role, right? Of uh, being a sort of a senior well, ambassador. They traded tra- him to Memphis. So he gets, just like Haslam gave back some money so they could, they could add some guys to the Heatles. Um, he got a lifetime contract. I think Iguodala got sent to Memphis, <laughs> like sent to Siberia back then. So he gets a free, uh, he gets a free get out of jail free card too. Uh, but yeah, I just, but, I just am like, yeah, I just can't. Like the fact they pulled this off, you know, is incredible. And again, I, I do. It's, it's, it's almost all staff. But at the same time, like they had the vision to try and do this, and like what a feat to come back like they did. I mean, the wild thing is, I mean, you hit all the points, right? Like, it's not, they kind of like, they they, they kind of backed their way into this a little bit. I mean, it wasn't like it was, yeah. you know, light years, light years, light years. But it's like, not, like you said, none of the none of the, the, the lottery picks play. I mean, the Wiggins deal, I mean. Yeah, it's know, incredible. Right, in retrospect, you know, they can say they always believed in Wiggins, but really they were trying to extract the, the draft pick was the crown jewel of that. And Wiggins was basically a salary slot. Um, and the fact that he turned into basically their second best player in the last multiple, you know, couple rounds of the playoffs, I mean, was basically found money. I mean, I just think the fact that, and, and, and they knew they had Curry the whole time. I mean, maybe that's the thing that they should be credited for is that they continue to rely on the most unique superstar in the, possibly the history of the NBA in terms of his willingness to kind of abide by what sometimes is kind of these boondoggle strategies um, because you know it, it's continued to work out, and so it's uh, it, it is certainly a fun, fun. It's a fun story to kind of see come to fruition and kind of come full circle for me. I think it is like it's an enjoyable element to see the continued narrative of. I mean, it's some of these things that sports at times have become so transactional in that you know their players are changing teams all the time, right? There's not necessarily the continuity you see, and then you see something like. Draymond and Steph and Clay and Kerr and the Warriors sort of have this initial run. You have the Katie era where they sort of like, you know, it's not unlike Vader, man. It's like, you know, he was, they were so hopeful and then he, and then he turned to the dark side. <laughs> and then you were the chosen one. <laughs> you were supposed to bring balance to the force. And then, uh, and then, and then, and then at the end, right. It's they uh, he comes full circle and they win the title again. So, um, what? Well, yeah. Tim, Kyle Kami pointed out another last uh, guy locally. He pointed out that they won. So they won two and lost one with Durant, and now they've won two and lost one without him, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> you know? So, um, and Wiggins, like, I do think an underrated part of him is that he was playing against like the best wing combo in the NBA. Um, who are both 25 and younger and incredible athletes. And he was the best wing athlete in the game. Mm. Like, wow. Like I, I, I think that was a key part on him being able to be so good in that series is it was a bunch of athletes. Like they had the wings, they had Robert Williams, smart even. Like they have a bunch of guys who are really good athletes, and Wiggins was like the best athlete. I mean, maybe Robert Williams is post, but definitely at the wing, he was better athlete than those guys. Like he has that combination of strength, athletic quickness, and jumping abilities. It's like off the charts, and it was so fun seeing his motivation to rebound and just like, like he was just like completely locked in. And it's just fun. I mean, it's fun to see guys. We always talk about to find their niche, find their role, 
find what they're good at and get that sort of success. And it, it does. It all bleeds down from Curry. We talk about it all the time. But just I kind of think as a coach, like it's like the Duncan thing. It's just it's having someone like having a level five leader as your star player is just like I mean, that is like probably the most amazing thing in that you always know they're trying to do the best thing, the right thing for the team, like always. And you can't say that about almost any other superstars because they always had their moments, like Kobe being the biggest example. But, you know, Shaq, I mean, all these guys have had ups and downs, like Barkley. Um, I mean, Giannis is like this. Like, he's like that too. He's always trying to win, always trying to do the best thing for his team. Um, but, yeah, I just hope they give Steph more love. Like, I hope I – hope, they start talking about him like Popovich talks about talks about Duncan. Like I hope yeah. when Steph goes into the Hall of Fame that like they all leave whatever they're doing and come and thank him for what he's done because <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, yeah, I mean he's he's incredible and just his ability to get to the rim. Like it's 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 incredible. Like playing outside in like he's always done, but like he goes to the rim hard and he does not get a good whistle on his drives. He does Why not- do you think that is? I was I was talking about this watching the games with the kind of the new crowd this the last two games I I was um, out of town and I was watching it and, and I was trying to <laughs> new new crew ex- I was mean, trying like to explain your the pilot and your Curry and why it's like so it's like I would I literally was conveying how befuddled I was that like Draymond gets the best whistle of all time and yeah. Curry had like one free throw in like multiple games you know having relentlessly gone to the rim. I mean, it was just sort of like a wild circumstance to me, and I can't figure out why. Like, what what are you guys – what's your diagnosis of the circumstance that results in Steph Curry shooting, like, one free throw, even though, you know, he – I think there was, like, in between games like four and five, he had, like, 15 rim attempts and one free throw attempt. Yeah. Well, I mean, go ahead, D. Well, I have sort of a working theory. I don't know if it, if it holds water, but um, I think – I mean, obviously, a lot of people love Curry, but just the fact that there are enough, he has his detractors and his critics that I think we, we think is kind of mind boggling. But I've always thought, is there kind of a like a, a, a jealousy thing going on with Curry that they're, uh, you know, I mean, he he's got a lot going for him. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a scratch golfer, you know, whatever it is that that uh, <laughs> there's something about him that that they have a little bit of there's a little like building resentment um, that I don't know if everybody would acknowledge. So I don't know if it's uh, so I'd say it's almost at an unconscious level, but that they pre- even perceive some of his uh, his expressions of joy as him actually being uh, kind of sh- showboating and a bit of a trash talking and so maybe some people have an image of him i don't know if it's a leap to say that's tied in with how the refs would treat him uh but he i think it seems like he he complained a lot during the series which and maybe for legitimate reasons um, but i could see if you're not rooting for him how that could be a, a little bit annoying so <laughs> uh i don't think that fully explains it but i've just I, I just feel like there's there's something there with a with a, a jealousy toward Curry. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a sense like I don't think he's entitled, but I think he's can be perceived as entitled. Like he dad's an NBA, grew up, he's like a cr- good Christian guy. He's like you know kind of um, you know he kind of was the America's sweetheart when he was at Davidson, and you know he just kind of had this run. And I and I and I do think the fact that he was like 
not dominant his first three or four years definitely like colors the way you know he's perceived and i think there is that dichotomy between like how he's perceived in the public and then how he acts in the court and does stuff and just pisses people off left and right um it is funny i feel like trey young has gone like three standard deviations over <laughs> from that it's like trey young's like if it is WWE, it's like you have the baby face, like the you have the good guy, like Steph Curry, who some people don't like because he's a good guy. And then Trey Young came and like he decided to be the heel version of Curry, which like I don't care about anyone. I'm shooting from half court. I don't pass to my teammates. I don't play defense. I don't care. Um, but I, I think in addition to that, I do think the fact that he um, – I think it's where his um, – his more slight build and his lack of like leaping ability definitely impacts him because he's not going to go in and like try and dunk over someone um, or even have that sort of like threaten. And so I do think the guys can, they can more easily just do the like stay vertical thing. And he's not big enough to like bang into people. Like I think about Harden, he definitely like pre the rules that implementation of the rules by the refs this year he would get a lot of cheap calls but he also is just he's just he's gigantic he's so big like barrel shouldered like strong guy and he just bangs into people and it's like that's a foul where steph just kind of bumps off people <laughs> when he goes in on his <laughs> and he can't really jump and he's kind of he can jump but he's not going to go dunk on someone and he's and he's slight enough where he can he can bump off them um so i i think that I think that contributes it too, but I also That's a little think, more practical explanation than no, mine. no. But I, I, but I think it's all related, and I, and I do think, I think like we've talked about with Giannis too. I, I do feel like they both, like, I don't know. It's like they're definitely very like confident, arrogant, successful guys, but they definitely don't have the same edge that like some of the guys who get a better whistle have. Like it's just like like. I don't know. They're just kind of like, no. It's like I don't feel like the refs are scared that like, like there's like with Kobe or the other guys over the years, or even like a Draymond. It's like this guy is like losing it. Like I kind of <laughs> there's a natural human response thing to be like, I just don't want to deal with this person. And like yeah, Steph yeah. whines and you know and, and Giannis sometimes too, but they're kind of like you just kind of want to give him a noogie. You're like, oh come yeah, on, yeah. you're just you're trying, not intimidating. You're just yeah. trying to put up a front. Like they're not intimidating, even though they're incredible incredible players so it's a it's a great question um and maybe the last thing is he just plays outside in too so it's like you know he's he if he has the three he's going to take it it's just when people come up and de deny the three he goes to the rim so it's kind of like it is invert like it's not a lot of guys go to the rim and get stopped and then they shoot the pull up to go against it and he plays outside in which more guys do now but I, I i wonder if that impacts things too but yeah i mean he's incredible i i do wonder if the durant thing too to your point d is like i do think there's like a narrative where like the way he took off in like 15 16 and he won the double mvps like getting durant was the right move and the fact that he's able to do that is an incredible um it speaks to his leadership and character and, you know, just wanting to win, not caring about anything but winning level five leadership. But he was the king of the world like six years ago. So it's just mm -hmm. kind of interesting to see the Durant years and then the injuries and all the stuff the last two years, like how that impacted things. Because someone pointed out that, you know, Nike really wanted Durant. Well, supposedly Nike wanted Durant to go to Golden State because he was a Nike guy and Curry was kind of blowing up with – under armor at that point after uh 
Our guy Scott blew the blew the uh, presentation with Dell. <laughs> no, what was it, Scott? What are you talking about? Sorry, he was pitching <laughs> Stephen Curry. Nike, Nike blew it for Steve Curry. <laughs> they called him Stefan. Scott right. didn't change Kyrie's name from the PowerPoint slide deck, and uh, <laughs> Dell Curry said that's not going to happen to my son. Uh, <laughs> but we forget that he was like king of the world at that point. His shoes, and then you know, and then he decided to like. His design team at Under Armour decided to take their inspiration from Pete Carroll's uh, shoes, shoe selections, <laughs> and it was all downhill from there. But it's just interesting to see like all that noise from that. And I think people didn't like that Durant went there. They didn't like that like they were this you know dynasty, and they just kind of like broke the rules. And it just been interesting they never did that. Like how Carew would be um, thought of differently. I don't know if it affected his whistle, but it's just interesting. There's a lot of things going on with him. Well, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, I think that point is well taken in the sense that how he was more vociferous in this finals than he's ever been. And he was more emotive in, than he's ever been. I mean, the way he carried himself, I think in that game four. Yeah, where, that was where he hit that I mean, pull up, was, th- hit that was, step back three. And he went and he ran was, down and he yeah, was he, he was he, he was yelling at the bench, too. He he was smart because he right. he thought he was yelling. He like yelled at the fans. But it was right next to the bench. Like he ran yeah. down there. It was like, oh man, like oh. he's coming. Just, he was never like that. I mean, that's what I yeah. think was so fascinating about the series is is I mean, he was. I mean, you had the mouth guard throwing incident. A couple, you know, one of the like it was like the sixteen finals. I think at yeah, one point he got yeah. he he got he fouled out and he threw his mouth guard. But I mean, generally he's been. Oh come on, Steph! Just coming here for a noogie, you cute little guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. like it's a like golden retriever. Draymond's come on, committed homicide. Can't, oh, and getting away with it. But it's. I just thought it was so curious to see him how locked in he was, or even you know, Derek, you alluded to his complaining. I mean, there was a number of times. I think Horf, I think Tatum was chasing him on a on a ball on a ball screen, and basically tripped over him as he pulled up and hit a three, and he didn't get the call. And that like, was Steph yeah. went like apoplectic. No, he did. That, it, which and it was totally fair because it was like a horrible no call. But but he didn't get a T there, which it was like I thought that it's a good point you guys are making because I felt like it was a little different. Like he kind of like he he engaged it a different way. That's a good point. And and so it's, it's just you know th- then to see his response, I think ultimately when when they won, when a like he like totally lost it emotionally. I mean, which is like and it was cool to see that release. There was so much pent up everything from again the last four or five years i think it seems like to see to see a guy sort of released that way did, did and, you see and then also see him like t- like, com- like talk about some of the haters in the press conference it was just amazing to see him like come full circle it was yeah, amazing what, did, you, did you see did you see the parade today did you see like uh the mc i think like uh their their tv uh announcer was like steph uh you know, it, it's an amazing. He was just Q and A, and some of the guys like Steph. I've never seen you like that at the game. How emotional you were after the game, breaking down, and then Clay jumped in as, "What's this? No, no crying in basketball. What are you talking about?" <laughs> Clay had a very eventful time at the parade because I did see a clip of him running over a fan by accident, <laughs> and then the credit to him, he did help the fan up. So, uh, but it it seems to me that the the stars you know, that they're pretty attuned to their legacy, like the stars yes. at the level of Curry. Yes. And what interests me is that, like, it seemed like Jordan, like he needed the fuel of the critics. Like he was sort of searching for that to like, almost give him that extra motivation. If It's like, especially if he was, 
I don't know if he was getting, you know, uh, burnt out with just being the best and he needed that extra incentive, you know, and I don't know. Well, Bradford Smith is is on line one. (laughs) Well, and now because it's just so frequent, just the criticisms and the social media, you know, and like, like Curry is obviously active on social media. So like, I'm curious, is he going around like searching for things like, like Jordan or whoever, like maybe Kobe, Tiger, he's just Tiger Woods, like that they, they just, I need that extra fuel or is it that it's just in his face? And so now it gives him a level of motivation. Like, I mean, is he following Skip Bayless's Twitter feed and that he needs that to like, you know, just to, to, to ratchet up the intensity or is he truly just seeing it and then he just gets pissed off and he, and he just, you know, wants to prove himself. I, I just think he's pretty engaged with that. I don't think That's most guys point. are like, like Durant who are like constantly <laughs> engaging with the critics, like and going into the gutter yeah. with them. That doesn't, I mean, no one, he seems to enjoy doing it because he has not changed that behavior. Kevin Durant has it. So Curry's just, his statements are, once I get on top, I'm going to point out that all the critics were wrong kind of thing, but it's, yeah. Well, that's it's, a great, that's yeah. a great point, D, because I think, you know, Nate Jones, who's like worked with Damian Lillard for a long time, you know, he, that same tweet you were talking about, about like, what are you going to say? What are they going to say now? He was like, all these stars, they keep score. They, they know, <laughs> like they know. And again, I don't think Steph really cares about like Bayless, but like he knows yeah. that like Jordan disrespected him, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. maybe he's a Hall of Famer. Like that stuff um, I think is, is fuel. And I also think, again, going back to the Brady comparison, like Brady knew that Manning like um, was going to be considered better than him in their years they were both playing. And so he knew that his way to beat Manning and be the best ever was to keep playing at a high level much longer than Manning could, which is what he's done. Of course, then Bart Scott, like the former linebacker for the Jets, maybe just trying to cause problems, but he said, oh, yeah, everyone that played, I I was much more scared of Peyton Manning than Tom Brady, and everyone else who played would felt the same way at that time. So who knows? But it's just... You know, it's still a circle of, uh, of hatred and fuel. I guess maybe maybe Brady wrote that down in his notebook for uh, for this year, in age forty five season. It does remind me a little bit actually, because I think these some of these guys who have this like thought process, like they must have it really young too. Because I remember when I was in, I think D, you might have been there too. It was like our fr- my freshman year. We had like a campaigners at our house. This other guy, Taylor Barton, came to came with our friend Grant. He ended up playing like college D one football as quarterback. We had beat his team that year, and so one of the guys, one of my friends, was talking trash to him about how we were going to beat him again and we were better than them and stuff. And he just listened and he had a notebook with him and he started writing it down and, <laughs> I like, think I do remember and that. looking yes, at I do. him quizzically, just writing it down. And we were all just yeah. like, Who, "What is this about?" Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I don't know. I guess he was he was uh, doing some. Uh, the winner within or something at that point. So a little bit farther ahead of the rest of us teenage, well, teenagers, but yeah. And it seems like it, it's kind of dependent on your personality. Cause there are players that they have to go like cold Turkey with their social media. Like Jimmy Butler said, he doesn't, he just turns everything off. Even LeBron has said that during the playoffs, he just, he, they, they try to just not let the noise get into their head, but yeah, no one would have, advise Jordan like that because they're like no Jordan he he thrives on this whereas other people it can be kind of like 
almost uh, crippling anxiety wise. It's like it, it puts more pressure on them. So it, it just it seems to be tied in with how you're wired, how your personality is wired. Do you think do you think Jordan like if it was Twitter was in his day or he was playing now, do you think he would go like do you think he'd be like Durant or do you think why do you think we were like Curry where he's like he knows what's going on. And it's all it's all like being fed into his competitiveness and drive or like somewhere in between <laughs> it would just be fascinating my theory is that that's a good question i i my guess is that it would be more like curry it would be i'm going to track everything and then once i get on top and down I, then i'm going to call out everybody yeah. like his hall of fame so curry's right? waiting for his hall of fame speech i yeah, guess yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you've yeah. said it before i think and we, we we find these comparisons for curry because he's such an interesting guy and he's like michael you said unique great player um in NBA history, but it's like, we have talked a little bit about Jordan. I think you brought it up deep in the past. It's like, he definitely just has like that different wiring, you know, where he's like, like, he's like a baby face assassin, man. He, it's like, you think it's like this night, but inside it's just this, like, like, I think all the resentments, all the stuff that built up over time, like, you know, I mean, all the stuff we all know, like he didn't even get an offer of Virginia tech, which is a ACC school, but it's not a great ACC basketball program. His both his parents went there. They met there and they both played sports there and he doesn't, an offer and just kind of goes from there um it was call it it's it's the uh so i've been watching uh, a lot of the uh uh on the history channel they've been doing a series on watergate oh yeah and you know the it's the nixon inferiority complex yes that even when you rise to the top it's still the all the it stays in you whatever image you either had of yourself or the perception that you recognize that other people had of you you still hold on to it. So even when you rise to the level of the power, it's still the enemies are out there and it's the elite Ivy League, the intellectuals, you know, and and, and it, even if you accumulate the power, you still like you're still in that mode. The power doesn't like take you out of that mode. So I'm going to call it the Nixon syndrome, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great that's a great point, because wasn't there like I haven't read um I haven't read much about him in a long time, but I remember there was like, he was in college and there was like a, I think there was like a club. Um, like I think he went to Whittier College and Whittier. it was like, yeah. And it was like, oh yeah. He, like he couldn't get into like the best, like the clubs they had. So he started his own, like their orthognians or something. And it was like, it was like that type of thing. Like it was for outcasts and outsiders. And that's like what kind of, that rubric like drove him. And I wonder if Aaron Sorkin, when he wrote social network, which is adapted from a book, but I wonder if he sort of like, cause that's a big theme in that book. So I don't know if it's full, that part's fully accurate. Although that movie was criticized by all the tech people when it came out as being like, Oh, that's not true at all. Like it was like one of the best arguments was like, he's been dating the same girl for five years and she's great. And like, none of this stuff is true. Of course, now they're all like, Oh, that, they were ahead of their time with that. They were right on it with Zuckerberg. He's he's a menace. Uh, but but I wonder if they were like if Sorkin was bringing in the Milhouse Nixon stuff where mm. or Thogneans were like because in the movie like Zuckerberg wants to get in these clubs that's like driving him and he can't right. get in them and that's why he starts Facebook and it's right. Like, um, and so the the antithesis is the Kennedys because they represent everything, the privilege. Yep. Harvard. So it's a, so you can imagine why it was pretty tough for him to lose to Kennedy in a 60, you know, 
Not to go down fully down the road of American no, politics. No, yeah, no, man. <laughs> I mean, it was. You're right because you kind of you get to where you are. Like you, you, um, you scrap and yeah, kind of but you you can't you yeah. can't once you get there, it's like you're still who you like you you are who you were to get there. Like you don't yeah. get to the top and then like change. It's like yeah. You know, like lawyers. You, you don't lawyer, undo like, the wiring. Yeah, the like wiring, you, if yeah. you get to a certain point to get a, this job that requires you to like work all the do all the stuff, it's like you don't get that job and like, oh, I can't believe it. They make all this money. Like, they should just sit back and enjoy it. It's like, yeah, no, they didn't enjoy it the whole way there. Like they're not going to start now. <laughs> the only way it changes is if you buy the Bobcats and rename them the Hornets and then sit in the golf course. <laughs> no, but that's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to say. And like, yeah, on the outside, we see Jordan now and it doesn't quite fit with like how he was wired as a player. But I remember when he had his 50th birthday, like almost 10 years ago, I think they did. It was an ESPN cover story. And he was talking about how he's still like he's still looking for that challenge. Like he, the competitive part of this is still is still there. And he there was some line where he's like, you know, I, I, I need to do this and that. And then, and then maybe I'll be able to breathe. And so he was like, he was basically saying, I'm still like stuck in this place, even though he's not having the, like the, obviously chasing the, the rings and stuff, but he, he, he couldn't escape his wiring, even though now we look at it and say, it seems like he's just enjoying the high life, but no, it's you, a good, you know, internally it's still there. Well, I, I think the hardest part for Jordan, cause I, yeah, I've made those critiques from before. I, I, the hardest part for him is that like, when your competitiveness can um, can come out in a in a um, venue or in a situation where you have complete like you have the most influence possible on like like changing the situation like he was super competitive and he had this great feedback loop of like I want to win I want to win and I'll do all this stuff to win and then I win and I'm the best oh no I'm not the, I will get win you know it was like this he could totally like immediately carry out his competitiveness and get like positive reinforcement for that right. but like when you're trying to do that as an owner or a GM of a team like it is like steps removed it's like incredible patience and at the end of the day what matter like like all the Bob Myers light years all the stuff Kerr and Lakeup did it's like Steph Curry won them the title, you know. So yeah, it's like, right. so Michael Jordan could do all these great things, and he could have gotten Kenny Atkinson to come and did all this stuff, <laughs> and it's still like, it's just, it's just, it's too far. He doesn't get that that, that sort of that that instant gratification of like right. his competitiveness being like rewarded, right? And like, and you know, he still cares when he won't speak to Charles Barkley. Yeah, because, right. That's how they had a falling out. Is Barkley yeah. was kind of teeing off on him for for yep. not doing a good job. As a yep. GM, so you know, no, exactly, and I think that didn't that's, go over well. I think the thing that Brady has 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 realized, and I think that's why I was surprised at first when he was like, "Oh, I'm going to retire," because it's like I feel like someone like Jordan would say, "Never retire," <laughs> you know, like if you can play forever, play forever, because like you can't ever find anything like it. Like that's like like you can spend time with your family, and you can. You know, you can do lots of great things and have fun, but like you'll, you, they'll never be able to replace it. Like that's the crazy thing about it is they'll never be able to replace, you know, what they had. And right, he I, would like need to run for president or something to get his juices flowing. Yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> but even and then, then, but, and he, then but, and then he'd mail it in because he'd be so he's so powerless in the room. Yeah, it'd be so removed <laughs> though. He'd be like, "This is sucks," you know. Yeah. 
And I think that's Maybe what Kurt... these flights are getting canceled. Can someone handle this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting. Like to go back to Curry, like what he, like to your earlier question, Michael, like how long he sticks around, what he does. I think he obviously is a very like family oriented person. So just like Brady, like other people, but I just wonder if, if like, again, he's taking all this in and it's kind of like, like what's available now, even in the NBA with like nutrition and with sleep and with like TB12 type stuff, like all the stuff you can do to like elongate your career. Um, he's obviously not like a LeBron type physical person. We know that, but like he can do some of these same things to like maintain and continue what he's doing. I'm just curious how long he wants to do it. Cause I do feel like that's what they say, right? Like even like Brett Favre left and Rogers thinks about leaving football and quarterbacks much easier than playing point guard in the NBA. But it's, I mean, from a physical standpoint, but it's, uh, it's like, it's not the games. It's all the work to get ready for the games. I think that's what like, yeah, I don't know if Curry will want to keep doing that when like his kids keep getting older and like, I mean it's hard, man. Like Nowitzki, I don't know if you saw that. He had a he had a quote recently that like if he had to do over again, he would have retired earlier because like his like legs are so his feet oh, are really? so bad that he really? can't even play like soccer with his kids and stuff. So I mean, this stuff has real <laughs> real ramifications. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> That's kind of well. That has always made me wonder, like staying with Jordan, if. If when you after you retire, if you look back and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I just had this chapter in my life and Jordan missed. Obviously, he retired early and was out essentially two years, came back toward the end of the second year. But, you know, and then after that kind of retired early, I think he was, you know, mid 30s. So talking like four or five years I've always wondered if he looked back like, oh, I mean, he and he had the whole thing with his dad passing away. So he wanted to give baseball a try. So he had other like reasons or something. But I mean, even with with his legacy now being compared to LeBron, part of why LeBron's numbers are going to uh, be better than his is because of Jordan missing this window of his time. And I was like, did he look back and and think, oh, I you know, I wish I would have grabbed another title uh, or two. Uh, but that is another vantage point to look at and say, what could I salvage my knees and my body? Right. <laughs> you know, no, right. I mean, it's, he had the, th- it goes long, but like he had the three years of college and then he had, yeah, the baseball seasons. And then, yeah, I mean, it's still the weirdest thing is like the reporting that was done, you know, I think in part with the last dance, but even before that, just that like, like, like he didn't have an offer to play. Like it was this weird thing where like, I mean, I think part of it, it's like, I think he was ready to be done. He was tired and stuff at that point. But it, was, it wasn't it was like it was like, it's just weird because there wasn't like a, you know, a Daryl Morey or somebody to be like, I'll give you all the money. Come play yeah, for right. us. Like, yeah. we love you. <laughs> like, yeah. it was like the Bulls were kind of ready to move on for, you know, yeah. all their weird reasons. And he was just kind of stuck there. Um, well, Andy was saying, I don't want to play for any other coach. Yeah, other I don't want to Phil. Phil's out. Yeah. And, you know, there was all the things that contributed to it. But it, it's to your point is like, there was definitely some years there where some, you know, other stuff could have happened, but you know, yeah, it's fun to think. I mean, I mean, if Curry could like, I mean, even if he goes back to other finals, I mean, if he wants another title, I mean, the gap between him, I mean, Wiggins was amazing. Right. But like, if you think about even the course of the year, like he played Wiggins played so great in the playoffs and in the finals, but like, I'm sure I think it, it 
what's a bigger gap between the best player and the second best player <laughs> in a championship team? Or what's the biggest gap between the best player in the finals and the second best player in the finals? Because, I mean, again, Tatum and Brown had their struggles. So, but it's I mean, Tatum especially. Brown played, I think, you know, quite well except for some of his turnovers and stuff. But it's like Curry was so head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jordan, like, LeBron, like you, like you know, maybe um, Nowitzki. 2011 yeah, or Wade, yeah, yeah. Wade 2006 yeah with old Jack um, yeah but yeah, the, yeah that would those three are the ones that would be would stand out above any others for sure because that's the amazing part to, to maybe to come full circle Michael to your initial question is like you know what what he was able to do I mean it, it really is I mean it, it's like I don't know it's like okay, I've been reading this I read that Belichick and Brady book but when Belichick you know runs off the field when they beat the Rams in the first Super Bowl and like He's like talking to his and coaches going, how the heck did we win with these guys? Can you believe we beat the Rams with this team? You know? And I feel like that's sort of like Steph, like, how can you believe I won the title with this group? You know, it's like, I mean, Clay looked very like fragile for most, a lot of the playoffs. Like Draymond just went AWOL for a few games in the middle of the series. To your point, like, they both played really well at the end of the series to close it out. Like he's relying on Kevon Looney and like GP and Otto Porter, who are all like scrap heap guys. I mean, um, I mean Looney's the adopted son for Steve Kerr, but otherwise, like they're kind of marginal guys, and they, they're able to do this. It's just, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it was it was great. It was fun to see him win it, and it was. I, I I'm totally with you guys. I mean, I, I I'm very hopeful for next year um, that we continue to see this like group of of teams because I do think like obviously for the Bucks, the Milton injury and some of their choices as a franchise, and, and you know from not resigning Tucker and some of the Budenholzer stuff and choices he made tactically in the Celtics series or other times. But a lot of teams, imagine all these teams, like, they must be like, we were like, this was this title was there. It was there for the picking, to your guys' point, because it's not, there isn't some, you know, amazing, um, like, just amazing champion that's like, it's not like the Cavs and Warriors time, you know, it's not like the, you know, the Lakers or the other great teams over the years. It was like, this title was like. I mean, maybe the bubble title was like that too, right? But it was like this title was like was there, <laughs> and like the Bucks, the Suns. Um, I mean, the Mavericks were really happy how, how where they got the Heat. Even you know, it, it's just like all these teams. Like if they had just gotten through, they had a puncher's chance, and Curry did it. It is wild, uh, uh, Derek. I, I want to change gears because because you know before we know it, Thursday is the NBA draft, which I had to double check because I swear I looked at it and I was I thought it was going to be 10 days away, not four days away. Portland Trailblazers, what's your goal for the seventh pick? <laughs> Gosh, I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing all sorts of trade rumors. And uh, I mean, sadly, since all my attention's been on the NBA finals <laughs> and there was a period where I started blocking out just the whole Blazers saga. <laughs> so there's a couple of trades that are, are kind of compelling. Uh, but I don't have a good answer for you, Michael. Oh not, man, I have not been a good Trader Joe's on the job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he did make a really. I thought it was a really smart move when he hired uh, Mike Schmitz from ESPN. Oh yeah, the Draft Express guy. I thought that was really smart. I mean, again, it's hard to tell the media guys if it's just they're good communicators, but that guy seems to know what he's doing. He's also an assistant coach for the Uganda national team, so I love, you know, giving back, being part of the Africa, you know, basketball movement. Um, 
But but I did I did I thought maybe we would have we could have gotten got Christian Wood instead of the Mavericks uh, picking him up. You know I don't I don't know if that's part of the long term strategy for the Blazers to get someone like him. But uh, um, I don't know. But, yeah I don't, yeah. I mean what yeah what what, what do you what do you see in Michael what do you what are you thinking have you have you you've pivoted you were out in the outback for a while <laughs> one with nature you had the chance to reflect on a, the top pick in the draft Chen Holm Grins a hard place I mean that's the thing he's just like I don't know what you do with with you know I, I think there's a lot of like forgot about Dre circumstances with Lillard. Like he had the stomach thing coming off of the Olympics and clearly they kind of had a mailed in season. I, it seems like Lillard's going to show him and be like, wait, you guys forgot about me. Like uh, I'm like 89% of Steph Curry. So like, let's, let's not, let's not forget that like I am what I am. Right. I mean, I, that seems like that season is coming for him. I mean, he is that good. Um, and, I, and I think he has that capabilities, but again, like, the rest of the roster leaves a lot to be be desired. I mean, Simons is fun, but it's like beyond that. I mean, Nurkic I did see. Sorry, jump in. But I saw one projected lineup was uh, Lillard, Simons, John Collins, Nurkic, and uh, Kuzma. <laughs> God, every wild. game would be like one forty-five to one forty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's. I think that's like so. So that and that's the interesting one. You know, Collins or OG Ananobi to get the seven pick. I mean, it's really a bummer they didn't jump up and or they didn't get that. They didn't get the McCollum pick from the Pelicans based on the playing game. I mean, that between those two things, it was a bummer that um, that they weren't able to convert that because they would have so much better collateral as a result. I mean, if you had seven and twelve, for instance, versus. Or, you know, six and twelve or something like that, or one of them jumped, even better. Um, so it's it, the the you know you can't quite pull the Scotty Barnes sort of Raptors like one stop shop thing because you know you don't have the fourth pick in the draft. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be curious. It just seems like there's a lot of smoke around a deal, and and that probably is wise enough given that you know there's you know the the money situation seems to not be a big issue as long as the trust, the Paul Allen trust sort of owns the team. So it'll be curious to see how that, that all unfolds. But uh, I mean, it feels yeah. like, it feels like Lillard's going to get the big extension, right? I mean, it, he'll get, he'll get the super, he'll get the, whatever the kind of quote unquote supermax is like the five year, two fifty deal or something. Right. And then, yeah. Like he's just kind of, kind of go in the sunset and like, see what they can put together. But yeah, it's a tough, they're in a really tough situation, so I do hope they can find a good, yeah, like a, a call, like somebody who's relatively young but front court player that can help them, um, and and see what happens. I mean, who, who do you guys like again? Knowing we were focused on the finals, and you know now we're pivoting to the draft. Who do you guys like of the big three, um, or maybe even three and a half with Jay and Ivy? Like, who do you guys like right now for what you're? kind of seeing and hearing out there with the draft between uh, Jabari Smith or Holmgren or Paolo Paolo you know more than any other time in the NBA season and this is on a podcast that predicted that the Lakers and the Nets would make the NBA hey 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 hey, sorry easy (laughs) but really more than I did pick the Celtics in six oh wait man I Nobody did. Cre- I did anything. make fun of the Warriors for two. Oh man, that's just it's it's not it's my not my coming. not my week. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really watch college basketball. It's like, it's like <laughs> the 
sorry. It's, okay. it's like shoving like forks in my oh, eyeballs. Man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's the amount of missed jumpers in the college basketball game. I mean, I, I like March Madness because, you know, the pageantry and the, the pressure and the chaos is sort of fun to observe. But, you know, in general, I don't I don't watch. I, so I can't I can't imitate the fact that, like, you know, I watch much more than like three Holmgren games and left something to be desired, even though you can see it. You can see the capabilities. I mean, he's he's such a tantalizing prospect in terms of the skill set. And the whole, like, I think the skinny thing with some of these guys often is overblown. But there's, like, there is some, like, inflection point that, like, if they're not, they don't have some bare minimum of strength, then then it does become a bit of an issue. Um, and so I'm curious where he's at on that and how he performs in that, you know, rookie year, if he's able to kind of assert himself without, regardless of the fact that he's like 165 pounds and soaking wet. Um, so he's probably the guy that most interests me, but it does seem like Jabari Smith is probably the, the, the surest shot of the guys, just given the way his, his skill set translates. And based on what I've seen just a little bits of him, you know, it's, he seems like a guy could have played in the finals, like in the next couple of years. Like Jabari. He has, he has that skill set. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of just translating. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I mean, who do you who do you, who do you have at the top? I mean, it's it's obviously you know hitting on this pick is a big deal. Yeah, I, I take Holmgren. Um, I, I yeah, I mean he's got he's a weird guy. He's got weird like size and the th- being thin and everything is kind of like hard to understand what he's doing. But I just feel like. Um, you know, a rim protector who can shoot threes and can like dribble and pass. Um, I think that's pretty great. So I would take him, but I agree. It sounds like Jabari Smith's number one guy. Um, Paolo, by the way, Paolo's, I didn't know, I knew his mom played at UW. I didn't know his mom was Rhonda Smith. She was incredible. She like at UW, like she was like amazing. Um, I mean, not Kelsey Plum, amazing, but like next year, she was incredible. So, um, and his dad was just, which is his dad was just a tight end for the for the Huskies. So he was bringing up the the rear athletically. But I, I just gay okay, go dogs, man. Go I dogs. We, we, we I fumbled that recruitment. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna say Paolo just for that reason because there, if you, you know, Steph Curry, his his mom, yeah, was, was an athlete too. That's right? true. There's something to the mother having the athletic genes. So. Yeah. The, my only with Paolo is like someone pointed out that he, once I saw it, heard it, I couldn't really not see it, was that he just, he struggled like beating guys off the dribble of the tournament. Um, Now he's like 6'10", so maybe that's not <laughs> as much of an issue. Like he can just play. But it was just interesting that like he couldn't, it was like, oh, he's a dominant offensive player, but he's not like getting the rim that easily. So that kind of mm-hmm. stuck with me. But They said that about Luca, though. I know they're very different players, but. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. Good point. Um, slow and steady wins the race. Speaking of moms, though, like athletic moms, I do really like Jaden Ivey a lot. And maybe it's because like, you know, his, his mom is the Notre Dame coach and like she played the WNBA. Um and she had, she was like taking him around on road trips and stuff. And then she was like, she was like the, she was like an assistant, I think with, with her Oklahoma city or she was, she was with the team before she went back to Notre Dame um, in the NBA. So I feel like if someone's going to prep you, it's like the combination of your mom and a NBA slash 
high-level college and pro basketball player, I think you're going to be in good shape. But I, I like his his athletic ability of being a bigger guard. So, um, but yeah, it, it we'll does see. seem like a fun draft on that front. Like it does seem like there's like a half dozen or you know pushing like ten guys that could be real. NBA yeah, like legit. Quickly. Like there, there's a there's a there's a um, maybe this is the one time you actually went Olshay draft. Oh, he made a lot of bad draft picks too. But uh, like if Cronin maybe Schmitz helps him, that Messi maybe he's not joined until after the draft. But if they can hit on like there's going to be a guy at seven if it's like Shaden Sharp um, from Kentucky or didn't really even play there. Like the, there's some guys kind of lurking around that that you could get like the best guy in the draft. Like, yeah, you know, but like you could get the guy who's in that top group and get him at seven. Like, it's definitely possible, it feels like. So, but I just like, I, I just like Holmgren's going to be really good. And I just feel like his game to me, maybe Paolo's his way too, and Jabari, like all those guys' games seem to like be better in the NBA because it's very, such a, like your point, Michael, it's such a different sport. I mean, just the way it's, played. it's awful. It's like, <laughs> it's just weird because like it probably was like college foot, it was a little closer to college football when it was running like Wishbone and stuff. Um, didn't really feed into the pro pro game very well, but then like it flipped and college football became the progressive, like throw the ball over the field. And then like the pros started picking up all their stuff from the college offensive coordinators. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other problem with college basketball. But uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm pulling for the blazers that they can either. Yeah. Get somebody there or make a deal, but it's just hard to see how they like, like how they kind of build out the roster. Um, but in Cronin, we trust. In Cronin, we trust. All right, guys, we uh, we got another season in the books. It was it was a great run, and uh, I'm sure we'll be we'll be talking you know draft and free agency at some point here. But uh, uh, we we made it through another season, three and D podcasts, our second full season, I think now. We've Two, two NBC there it is. since we started. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all our hey. listeners out there, the loyal listeners. We appreciate yes, you. Yes, thank you, loyal listeners. <laughs> and on a final note, apologies to uh, Michael Jordan. He didn't like us talking about his uh, post-playing <laughs> days, so he uh, exited the great room. He gets a little touchy about stuff like that. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3ND Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time, but until then, remember... Throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.